Good afternoon. Welcome to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We look forward to having you on the show. Thanks for joining us. This afternoon's episode is titled, Ask Thee a Sign of the Lord Thy God. It shall be focused on the study of Isaiah chapter 7. Before we go any further, we'll begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for a super sign, Lord, that a virgin conceived and gave birth to a son and called his name Emmanuel, God with us. We thank Thee, Father, to know that You humbled Yourself and became man and became flesh that we might be saved. We thank Thee, Lord, for this great miracle. Father, the power of the cross has never waned and is still saving even yet today. We pray for relatives and friends and cousins and acquaintances, Lord, that have not come to know you. Help us, Father, to be a light of this great gospel to them that they might realize who they are. And Father, that they might flee from the wrath that's to come. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to Isaiah chapter 7. Chapter 7 And it came to pass in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, that Rezan, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Ramaliah, king of Israel, went up toward Jerusalem to war against it, but could not prevail against it. And it was told the house of David, saying, Syria is confederate with Ephraim. And his heart was moved, and the heart of his people, as the trees of the wood are moved with the wind. Then said the Lord unto Isaiah, Go forth now to meet Ahaz, thou, and Shear Jashub thy son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool, in the highway of the fuller's field. And say unto him, Take heed, and be quiet, fear not, neither be faint-hearted for the two tails of these smoking firebrands, for the fierce anger of reason with Syria, and of the son of Remaliah, because Syria, Ephraim, and the son of Remaliah have taken evil counsel against thee, saying, Let us go up against Judah and vex it, and let us make a breach therein for us, and set a king in the midst of it, even the son of Tabiel. Thus saith the Lord God, It shall not stand, neither shall it come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is reason. And within threescore and five years shall Ephraim be broken, that it be not a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is Remaliah's son. If ye will not believe, surely ye shall not be established. Moreover the Lord spake again unto Ahaz, saying, Ask thee a sign of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. And he said, Hear ye now, O house of David, is it a small thing for you to weary men? But will ye weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Butter and honey shall he eat, that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land that thou abhorrest shall be forsaken of both her kings. The Lord shall bring upon thee and upon thy people and upon thy father's house 
days that have not come, from the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, even the king of Assyria. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall hiss for the fly that is in the uttermost part of the rivers of Egypt, and for the bee that is in the land of Assyria. And they shall come, and shall rest all of them in the desolate valleys, and in the holes of the rocks, and upon all thorns, and upon all bushes. In the same day shall the Lord shave with a razor that is hired, namely, by them beyond the river, by the king of Assyria, the head and the hair of the feet. And it shall also consume the beard, and it shall come to pass in that day, that a man shall nourish a young cow and two sheep. And it shall come to pass, for the abundance of milk that they shall give, he shall eat butter. For butter and honey shall everyone eat that is left in the land. And it shall come to pass in that day, that every place shall be, where there were a thousand vines and a thousand silverlings, it shall even be for briars and thorns. With arrows and with bows shall men come thither, because all the land shall become briars and thorns. And on all hills that shall be digged with the mattock, there shall not come thither the fear of briars and thorns. But it shall be for the sending forth of oxen, and for the treading of lesser cattle. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Branham, titled The Super Sign. This was preached in 1963 on November the 29th. We'll begin at paragraph 8 up to paragraph 188. I trust you'll find it to be a blessing. If I should call this for a subject tonight to speak on for a few moments, on some notes that I've written down this afternoon here, I would like to speak on the, take the subject of the super sign. You know, this is a super day. Everything's super. And we see that the, the forked lightning in the skies on a cloudy night certainly declares to us that there can be light and darkness. We're aware of that. God knowed the end from the beginning. Therefore, he could plan everything that it would work out just to his glory. That gives us courage to know that no matter what comes or goes, God is making everything. The clock is ticking just exactly on time. Sometimes we get weary, upset. We get hastily. We think, oh, we must do this or do that. But remember... God's clock will be just exactly on time. All these things has to be this way. It has to all be done according to his great knowledge, his foreknowledge. For by foreknowledge he could predestinate, not by his desire, but by his knowledge. God doesn't predestinate by his desire. He's not willing that any should perish. But by his foreknowledge he knew who would accept it and who would not. Therefore he could make everything work according to his big time clock that's ticking away. For he could foretell the end from the beginning. And therefore, he knew that we'd live in this day. He knew that this would be our day. He had plans for this day. He's had plans for every day. And never has one of his plans ever failed. It's always on time. And this is what we call a super age. 
Everything that you see nowadays must be a super or it won't go over. If you haven't got something super, because it's a super age. They've had their age and they've had now they got the super age. Everything we see, you can't go down to the corner store anymore and find a big block of cheese laying up there like you used to. And and uh, the way it used to be the old corner stores, if he had even the food ever so good, everybody wants to go to a classical air-conditioned market called the supermarket. They must go there even to pay more for their food. They've got to go to the supermarket. That's right, because it's a super. Everybody wants something super. And today, you can't take an ordinary automobile, the old T-model, to get run over out on the street now. They got a supercar. Ford has to make them a super. Chevy has to make them a super. The rest of them expects to stay in the race. They have to make them a super. Everything's a super, super, super. After a while, we come to the air age. Now, they had the propel plane. Then the first thing you know, they come along with a jet. And now they got a super jet. <laughs> See, it has to be a super. If it don't, it, it, ain't, it ain't time. Everything in this age must be super. We used to have the old highways we used to travel. Now you got super highways. It has to be four or five lanes going one way and four or five lanes coming the other way or you get run over. See, you have to have it because this is a super age, super time. Everything is in the super. We even think we got super people, or some people think they're super. <laughs> and they try to act like that anyhow. Super race, one race won't rule over the other. Super churches, super denominations. <laughs> Everything's coming to super. If it isn't super, well, it isn't soul. I think even the women's getting super dressing. <laughs> Modern age. The old-fashioned shoes that had some leather in them, you buy them about $3 a pair, the very best kind, had more leather in them, a dozen pairs got today that you pay $25 for. But it has to be the super type, you know, heels about like that and no toes in it, but it's super, you see, it's the thing. You have to almost be in super curves to walk in it, you see. That's right, everything's got crazy to me, see? but it's a, it's a super age, it's a super time. All these signs are the, are the marking of a spiritual darkness. All these things that we see happening in these super, 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 if we only know we're in a hurry, we got to get there, and what do we do when we get there? Used to take walk home from the work. Used to be the kids had to walk to school, and now they have a bus to come to the door and pick them up and escort them into the school and out of the school and then pay a... Half a million dollars for a recreation room to give them a lecture size or they die. Well, they used to get it walking to school. <laughs> Super age. Now, isn't that right? Even the churches has to have. They ain't got enough activity among them. They have to have them a, a, a room where they can all play and jump up and down. Used to be the Spirit made them do that. But now they have to get out there. It's sort of a super time. All leading to spiritual darkness. The great day that we're living in. You know, his people, God's people of the Bible, has always been warned of God to watch for the signs of the time. 
Jesus, when he was on earth, he said to the Pharisees of his day, he said, you blind Pharisees, said, you go out in the evening and you look and see the skies are clear and red said, tomorrow you'll say it'll be a clear day. And he said, then you go out and they're lowering, angry looking, then tomorrow it'll be foul weather. He said, you can discern the face of the skies, but the sign of the time you can't discern. said, if you would have known me, you would know my day. If you'd known Moses, he said, you'd know me because Moses wrote of me. And otherwise, as I've been saying, they would have known that the scripture that must be fulfilled in that day was being fulfilled, and they didn't know it. They had their... Their eyes so set on their traditions and things until they couldn't see the actual Scripture unfolding before them. I'd liken this age to that. That even amongst uh, the fine people sometimes, they fail to see it. They just walk away. And honestly, I, I, it would discourage me if I didn't know that Jesus said what he did about it. No man can come except my Father draws him, and all the Father's given me will come. They'll never be able to see it. He said, well, did Isaiah speak of you, saying, you have eyes and can't see, ears and can't hear. It's a pitiful sight, but that's the way they were. And now we find just about the same thing existing today. When we know that we're living in the hour that gross darkness is to cover the earth and the people. And we find that all these modern achievements of super age and so forth that we're living in is only the sign of gross darkness in the spiritual realm. We're in the Lady Osea church age where they're just lukewarm. They can go to church and people does and, and seems to have a zeal to go to church. But to know anything about the spirit, the time that they're living in, some of them are as blind as they can be about those things. No matter what God would do and how well it would be proved by His Word, still, they just can't see it. I wonder if it isn't just about like what He said, we have eyes, but we can't see. We ought to look around and see all these things that's happening are a sign that the end is at hand, because these are the things that was predicted to be at that time. I want you to notice the unchanging continuity of God's Word and His works. See, He never changes his, his program. He never changes His ways. Just as perfectly the Scripture is in perfect continuity. Everything that God does isn't continuity with what He done. See? And what He did first, that's, He'll do it the second time the same way. And just to prove it to you, He's made laws in the earth, and He's always given His people a sign before the event happens. Now, He's always done it, and He'll always do it because He is the unchangeable God. I am God, He said, I change not. The way He sets His program at the beginning, that's the way it is in each age. He never changes it. When he put the world to turn on a 24-hour basis, we might have daylight saving times and all kinds of times, but it never changes the turning of the world. She makes her complete circle every 24 hours, turns around. 
Never changes the seasons. God has spring, summer, winter, just exactly like it always was. Yeah, that's the way He'd done it first. That's the way He does it every time. The continuity of His laws and of His Word and of His works, how it all just perfectly blends together. Therefore, if we can look what was, we can know what is and what will be. You can base your thoughts upon that. For the Scripture says He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We notice before springtime comes, what's some of His laws? When you see the trees putting forth buds, He said, you know that summer is nigh. Springtime is a sign of the introduction of summer coming on. That's a law. It always happens that way. You don't have summer and then by the time it gets winter, then the leaves come on. No, you have the leaves first because it's an introduction of His laws of nature that springtime is coming. It never fails. When you see the trees begin to get tender around on the bark and the little buds begin to swell, you know that it's a sign that springtime is here. It's coming in. When you see the fall of the year before we have frost or anything and the leaves fall from the trees, you say, well, autumn's near. How do you know? Because the leaves are falling. Nature's getting ready for it. Every year is the same. He also gives us a sign in the changing of the weather. You can go out and watch, like he said. You see the skies red and lowering. Tomorrow will be foul weather. And he never changes it. He always warns us. You can take a feel of air begin to get damp a long time before the storm and watch nature all play in with that. It's a sign. I've often said, if there was no Bible, I'd know there was a God just to watch the way nature works. It's His laws. They're all in continuity with one another. His words in continuity. It cannot fail. His signs are in continuity with the time. The signs are right with the Bible. The signs are right in the moon. The signs are right in the sky. The signs are right on earth. The signs are right in the church. We can look around the church today and see the sign is just right for Him to come. For instance, how it works upon nature. I've been up in the north woods where I'd be hunting before we ever had a, a cold spell. Little ducks go out of Louisiana and go up there and make their nest and hatch out their little ones. Just let the first little cold breeze come off top that hill when the snow caps the mountains. And them little ducks raise up from there and never been off that pond and come just as straight back to Louisiana as they can come. It's a nature. See? The laws of nature. They do it every year. And then let the first thing you know down here in Louisiana, the hot sun begin to start pouring down down here in Louisiana. Watch them all get together and swarm again and take right back to the mountains again. Watch the geese over here in Texas where many of them go. I've seen the time that we'd have to stop the car on the road. They're not bothered about nobody. They're thinking about going. They've got a revival going on. All of them together. You never heard such a noise and it's worse than the Pentecostals when they get together. What is it? It's the laws of nature. See, they, every year they get together, then swarm, and away they go. When them ducks leave and geese leave Texas, summer's on the road. Try it. 
And when they leave northern British Columbia, winter's on the way. You hear them geese going over, screaming the way they do, going south. I can listen to them and cry because I see God guiding them. What is it guides them through the pathways there when he's nothing but a dumb brute? What is it that does it? And I hear him going down, screaming that leader out there, taking his way. Maybe he's never winged his way to Louisiana before, but he'll get there. Don't you worry. He's got something in him that tells him where to go. He's taking his flight. He's leading the herd. The whole swarm of them's are coming. They may have never been here before, but he knows right exactly where the, the rice paddies has got the rice. Because he's got something that leads him. It's a nature. Then the spring, when it's nice and warm down here through the winter, he'll go right straight back again. Why? It's nature displaying itself. It's the laws of God. His signs always foreruns his events. Just as that does. When you see the geese going, see the buds coming on, see the leaves falling off. See, it's a continuity of nature blending in. God's law of nature blends in and he foreruns his events. It always has been, it never has failed, and it never will fail. If we just follow the continuity of God's Word, we will never fail either. If we will not take the, the modern trend of the day and, and try to inject something else into it, but just follow the continuity of it for this age, watch what takes place. We'll go straight home too one of these days. Always does that and never fails. Prophets are the chief sign, God's chief sign is a prophet. Now, I'm going to speak a few minutes about that. They are His Word made manifest for that age, and that's the reason a prophet is always God's chief sign. He has never sent a judgment upon the earth without first sending a prophet. Just see or search the Scriptures. A prophet is a chief sign of God to his people that he has sent this person, this certain person like Noah, like Moses and, and Elijah and the prophets. He sends them to manifest the word for that age to give his people a warning just the same as he sends a cold spell upon the ducks to run them from the north to the south. Continuity in nature, continuity in the Word. He never fails to do it. If it takes cold weather to run them down, next year it takes cold weather to run them down. If it takes hot weather to run them back, the next year it takes hot weather to run them back. And when God gets ready to send judgment, before He sends judgment, He sends a prophet and manifests His Word, vindicates the Word of that age. He did it in all other ages. He promised to do it in this age, and He will do it in this age, regardless of what people says about it. He'll do it anyhow, because He cannot break His continuity. The way He planned, He always does it the same way. He never fails to do it like He did it the first time. Like John the Baptist. Now, we'd had 400 years from Malachi to John. There had been no sign of prophet of the Old Testament. About as long a space as the time the judges that uh, there ever was without a prophet. What was the matter? Why didn't they have a prophet during that time? There was no word placed for that time. They had to wait until the time got right. They had to wait. The prophecy Malachi said was 
Malachi 3, Behold, I send my messenger before my face. He'll prepare my way before me. Malachi 3, 1. Now, that was Malachi's prophecy of the coming of the Lord Jesus. Nothing was to take place between that time, so the church just got slothful and went on in its own way until the time of the promise drew nigh. And when the time of the promise drew nigh, God, in a supernatural way, brought John on the earth. He was a man born of a woman, of course. And we know his mother was called Elizabeth and his father was called Zachariah. They were good people. And his father was a priest. It was a custom of the boys of that day to follow the, the work of their father. But we're taught that John, when he was nine years old, after the death of his father, went into the wilderness and stayed alone until he was 30. See, if he'd have turned to what his father had, that had him so messed up that he had not known how to see that Messiah when he come. He'd have never known him. But he stayed in the wilderness. If he'd have went to the seminary with his father's uh, line of thought, then every one of them would have said, Now, John, we understand that you're going to be the one that will know the Messiah when he comes. Now, don't you think that brother so-and-so here just fits the figure exactly? What about Cephas as our high priest today? Don't you think he's just a wonderful man? All that into his holy mind, he would have never been able to have thought it straight. He went out in the wilderness and waited. His job was too great for education. His job was too great for theology. He had to announce the Messiah. And he stayed in the wilderness. What's his preaching? His preaching wasn't an ethics of, the, of that day's theology. You notice that it wasn't. What did he talk about? Axe at the tree. Serpents. See, that's all he knowed. He's raised in the wilderness. That's what he knowed. Serpents and trees and axes and so forth. And that's what his message was based upon nature. When he said, you generation of vipers, who's warned you to flee from the wrath that's to come. Don't think that you got Abraham to your father because God's able these stones to rise children to Abraham. And also the axe is laid to the root of the tree. Never tree that bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. He said, I indeed baptize you with water into repentance, but there comes one after me whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. His fan is in his hand. He'll thoroughly purge his floors and burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire and take the wheat to the garner. Amen. There's a man in there. A prophet indeed. He had a sign that he had to watch. And when he seen the Messiah, he was so sure that he was coming in his day. He was so positive. Oh, if the church could only get its positive position. But only know it stand in the hour. For according to the scripture, he was the one to introduce the Messiah. And he knowed he had to be on earth in the days of his prophecy. Therefore, he has lingered near where he was preaching. So much that he said, there's one standing among you now. That you don't know. One among you right now, he knew it was, he was there. The hour was at hand. He knew it. One day, he looked coming down from heaven, and he saw a, a light like a dove coming down from heaven. And the one it lit up on, he said, I bear record that this is the Son of God. He saw it 
Or he in the wilderness told me upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on, that's the one that will baptize with the Holy Ghost and fire. He was a man sent from God, trained by God, and worked for God. The God, and he became, he was the prophet, and the word came to him, as I said the other night, in the water. He was the word for the, of God for the time of the prophecy of Malachi. Malachi said there would be such a person. And John came on the scene, a prophet, to fulfill the word of the Lord for that day. So it, he was a sign to Israel if they'd only know the sign. Even the disciples said, why is it the scribes say that the prophet must, uh, Elijah must come first? He said, he's already come and you didn't know him. God does it in such a simple way just to pick up that elected seat until the others never see it. That's the truth. How many wise men were in Babylon studying astronomy when these three wise men knew that when though in that solar system, when them three stars lined up, there was a sign the Messiah was on the earth. They knew it. They believed it. And they was the one who saw the stars. The rest of them didn't see them. They were in the right constellation, but they saw them in the way that God had presented them to them. That's the way the gospel is today. It can only be seen in the way that God presents it to you. And if it's presented to you outside of the continuity of the Bible, then it's not God telling you that. Amen. Hey man, you can't make the Bible lie. It's an infallible Word of God. And it has to agree with the continuity of His rest of His Word. It just can't say this one place and this something else and do this over here, hit scatter. He hits the target every time. The Word does. So you have to make it in the continuity of the rest of the Word. Therefore, His way has always been in the Word to send a prophet before that time. Before He makes His Word vindicated. Now, we might speak here just a minute. What is a prophet? Now, in the English terms, according to the English terms of it, it means a preacher. Well, that's the English terms. But in the Hebrew terms, it's called seer. And a seer was the one who had the interpretation of the written word. And he foresaw things that was to come. And when he spoke of the things that was to come and proved that he was a seer, then he know, they know he had the right interpretation of the Scripture. Because God, through him, manifested the written Scripture for that day. Amen. Don't be slothful. Wake up. That was a plain identification. A seer. A foreteller and a teller forth. And the only way that they know he's getting the right interpretation to the Scripture, because what he said come to pass. Then they know he was called of God. God said that. And then they notice that it did. It come right back in continuity with the Word for that day. Jesus said, search the Scriptures. When they seen he could discern the thoughts that was in their mind, they called him Beelzebub. He said, search the Scriptures. They're the ones that testify of me. The continuity of the Scriptures running perfectly. With the sign of the time. He was God's sign of the time. He was the manifestation of the written word. And also could foretell what would happen. And they could not deny it. He was a super sign of the day. He certainly was. Notice. 
the continuity of His unchanging Word. Also, the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, He will remind you or reveal these things that I've told you. And also will show you things to come. Now, the Bible, uh, the people say today, there is no such a thing as a prophet in the world. Why is it Paul said that in the church there were first apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, and evangelists? Certainly there was. The Holy Ghost is a prophet. When He, the Holy Ghost, has come upon you, He will reveal or teach you, show you these things I've told you has all been in a riddle. You don't understand them. Now, because it's not for your age now. But when the Holy Ghost has come, He will make those things live out right to the promise. Not only that, but He'll show you things that is to come. Glory. The continuity of God's Word, God's promise, God's Spirit. We're living in the hour, watching the unfolding of the prophecies of the age coming to pass. What a great time that we're living in. The Holy Spirit was to show us things that was to come. Man has ever tried to achieve and make for himself a name by making him a super sign. What makes a man try to make himself something super over the other? Why does he do that? Because in him he is a nature. He, by nature, he's a sinner. But in statue, he's a fallen son of God. Why does he make himself such a pretty home? Making it better all the time. Is the, the bird don't make his home any different. The groundhog still lives in the ground like he did a thousand years ago. See? The bird still builds a nest like he did a thousand years ago. See? But man is increasing. Why? He's a, and, he, and he is a fallen son of God. There's something in him that tells him that a palace more beautiful than something in him is trying to find it. It's searching for it. Oh, if we look at some of these homes today, what will them be on the other side when a fallen nature can do a thing like this? What will it be? But that's what makes him do that. His nature inside of him, though he is fallen, he tries to make something in himself. He tries to do that. It's been from the beginning. Adam, he tried to make a super religion without an atonement. They're still trying to do it. <laughs> a super religion. Make a religion so he could live any way he wanted to without an atonement and still have a covering. He tried to do it in the beginning and he's still trying to do it. But God's provided way was an atonement, and it'll never work no other way. It has to come back to an atonement. Nimrod tried to build a super tower, a religious tower. Whether there'd be anybody that would, a little tower might have been 30 feet high, but he wanted to make something super, something greater. So he built him a tower. That was in his day. Nebuchadnezzar wanted to build a super city. He took the pattern off uh, of heaven, the swinging gardens, the river Euphrates by the throne, just like the tr water of life, the river of life running by the throne of God. He tried to make a super city. The United States, a few years ago, tried to make a super ship. They made it so they said it would never sink. It couldn't be sank. God put the Titanic in the bottom of the sea. Shows that man's achievement... Will never amount to anything. It's all dust and going back to the dust. Amen. 
what's in him. Russia today is trying to raise up a super scientist that can do some scientific things to conquer the world. France not long ago thought they could still have their women whining big time, so they made himself a called imaginal line. Had their guns all towards Germany, the arch enemy. If they ever come this way, we'll just live any way we want to. We'll make a big super line out here and make out of concrete, point our guns, and if they ever come, we'll touch a button, they'll all fire and blow them back in Germany. Germany marched right around behind it. They forgot. So have we forgot. God with His mighty hand shows this world it cannot stand. But they want a super sign. They made him imagine a line. And Germany marched right behind it because he forgot so they could put the gun on a turret. Could roll it back around the other way and shoot. They forgot that. That's just what the church is forgetting today. They got a super church. They got a super denomination. They got super dressed people. They got everything they want. Super ministers with super education. But you forget that God's word cannot fail. It's got to come the way God said it was going to come. There's no way of getting around it. Along come Germany later on. They thought that was a good idea, so they'd fix it so they could turn their guns the other way. So they built themselves a line called the Siegfried Line. But American blockbusters blowed them out of the ground. See? They're trying to make something super, super all the time. Churches today want their super denomination. We've tried for a long time. Methodists take all. Baptists take all. Then the Pentecostal come in the race. They take all. Catholics try to take all. So they find out a little scattered group. They can't do it. But put them together. How scriptural it sounds. Put us together. Put us together. We'll do it then. We'll run communism out of the ocean, not knowing that God raised up communism to defeat them. <laughs> That's a big word for a preacher to say, but I get so sick of hearing this communism, communism. You know the signs of communism, but the hour you're living in, you don't know nothing about it. But you know God promised to do that? The same as He started to raise up Nebuchadnezzar to destroy Israel because they didn't walk in His way. The Bible plainly teaches that. This is the hour for it to happen. We find out in the day that we're living, all these things are not nothing hid. It's something that God has revealed in the Word. But people are too blind to see it. Today we think, well, now, if we can all get together in the unity, there is, uh, in a council of multitude, of council, there is safety. That is true, but what kind of multitude are you counseling in? How can you walk together? How can you throw these denominations together? Some of them believers and some unbelievers and some make-believers. How do you go to put them together and walk together? How can two walk together except they be agreed? It's also written. Looky here what they do. They make themselves a multitude. One time they did the same thing in the Bible. When Ahab was in trouble. And uh, Ahab sent down for Jehoshaphat to come down from from Judea and, and uh, find out if he would take his armies and help him fight the battle. And Jehoshaphat, a believer, out of connection with his God, went down there and said, yes, said there's a piece of ground up there that belongs to us. That's ours. God gave it to us. The prophet Joshua lotted us that ground. And now we find out that it belongs to the enemy. The enemy is growing wheat on there that should Go in the bellies of us Hebrews. And now they're taking it over there with the enemy. Said, shall we go up? 
Will you go up with me? Well, now, Jehoshaphat, not taking a second thought, said, Well, sure. My chariots is your chariots. My horseman's your horseman. My footman is your footman. We are brothers. Let's agree together. We'll make an alliance and we'll go up. Then it struck him. We had better seek God first. Oh, my. Before you join that thing, you better seek God first. You better find out before you throw your church in such a babbling as that. You'll have to do it or either take the mark of the beast. But go ahead. They said, Ahab said, certainly I ought to have thought of that. said, I've got 400 down here at the seminary. Hebrew prophets, the best there is in the country. There's no better anywhere. We'll go get them. And up come the prophets and they all prophesied. Sure, they was exactly with the, with the right idea, they thought. They said, certainly, that belongs to Israel. If God gave that to Israel, it belongs to Israel. But God only gives you these things on conditions. That's what I think about the gifts of the Spirit in the church today. So many says it needs to be in there, but it'll only come in there under conditions. Yeah. A noted minister said to me not long ago, won't you quit picking on them women and men about this, that, or the other? Said they'd regard you as a seer, a prophet. Said, won't you teach them how to receive the Holy Ghost and great gifts? I said, what would they do with them? Said you, you ought to teach them better things than trying to uh, tell them how to cut their hair and wear their clothes and so forth like that. You shouldn't do that. I said, how am I going to teach them algebra when they won't even listen to their ABCs? Hmm? How do you go to do that? It got to, God gives these gifts on conditions. And that land belonged to Israel on conditions that it stayed true to God. But look what a renegade they had in there for a pastor. Let's let idolatry and everything else be swept in. But the prophets thinking that that belonged to God, belonged to Israel, was a gift to Israel. They ought to possess it. That's the same thing taking place today. But remember, when they all prophesied with one accord, one of them, I believe, Zedekiah, uh, made him a great big set of iron horns. He said, you'll take these and push the Syrians plumb out of the country with them. And that just didn't suit this uh, religious, good, moral man uh, Jehoshaphat, he said, well, haven't you got one more? One more when we got 400? 400 with one accord, say, we'll have the council of churches. We'll, we'll just do it. See, they're all in unity. Said, they're everyone in agreement. Say, why don't you go ahead and, and just go on up with me? He said, isn't there just one more that you could consult about this that has contact with God? He said, yes, he's one more, but I'll sure hate him. That's it. Oh, let not the king say so, said Jehoshaphat. Let, let's go consult him and, and see what it would be. He said, there's one. Yeah, I know him. The son of Amlin, said Micah, but said, I hate him. Said, he's always putting curses on me. He's always telling me I'm wrong and, and uh, hell's waiting for me. Said, I hate to even hear him preach. None of the rest of the ministers won't even have him in their churches. Said, we've kicked him out a long time ago out of the association. Said, I don't even know where you'd find him. Oh, I said, don't let the king say so. Let's go get him. So then one of the association went after him. He said, now, Micah, you've got a chance to get your membership card back again if you'll say the same thing they say. See, if you just so do it. If you'll agree with us that we all should join the council and all go in together, we'll just, you be one of us. Oh, but God's always got somebody who'll stand true. He said, as the Lord God lives, I'll only say what he tells me to say. Hey, that was a sign to Jehoshaphat 
You know how the story goes. And he said what God said. Although 400 in a council was against him, yet he stood and it was a sign to Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat wouldn't go out there. So we find out how the outcome was. Because that man's word was exactly with the prophet's word that had been prophesied for Ahab's day. Because he took the righteous Nabob and slayed him and things, God told him through the prophet Elijah that the dogs will lick your own blood. That's right. And what would take place and how they'd eat Jezebel. He prophesied that was the word and Micah was the one who could bring it to pass. Amen. He was a prophet's sign of that day that only listened to him. It has never failed. God always sends it. Everybody's always wanting a sign. We're supposed to look for signs. That's right. But religious, uh, scriptural signs, not religious signs, Bible signs. Everybody is going to look for a sign and they know this would be a super day. God's seeing the end from the beginning. So he said, I'll give them a sign, a super sign. I'll give them an eternal sign. Amen. I'll give them one that will never fail and never pass away. Amen. They want a sign, so I'm going to give them one, a super sign. He didn't come in the polish of the world the way they expected him to come. But what did he say? A virgin shall conceive. Amen. That was a sign. That was a super sign. A virgin shall conceive. Amen. A super, a super sign. Not a natural sign, but a super sign. A virgin conceiving. See, a supernatural sign. Supernatural. And it was a super sign for a virgin that never did it before. But she shall conceive. What was it to be? His name shall be called Emmanuel. How will it be? God and man will become one. That's a super sign. Oh, God. If the world could only see that. That God and man are one. The super sign was that first man that God could come into. All that God was, He poured into Christ, and all Christ was, He poured into the church. Super sign. God and man together, that was to be the super sign of the last day, when the entire Bible was to be fulfilled in the last days. A super sign. A virgin shall conceive. And this conception, when it's brought forth, will be God manifested in the flesh. A super sign. They still don't believe it. But it was anyhow. It's still a super sign. Notice, super sign. They've got Superman today. They got s- fictions of Superman. All these other kind of super things. But the church has got a super sign. God back in the church manifested in human flesh. God united the man. He's sure super sign. Notice, the eternal sign, an unfailing sign. It will never fail. Man and the Word and man become one. When God's Word and man become one, as St. John, the first chapter says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. That's the super sign. Oh, if that was the super sign of that day, when that same Spirit 
that was on Jesus Christ comes into his church to manifest the written word for today. That's still the super sign. The church can have the sign of the council, all of them getting together for fake world peace and all they want to be. The Baptists can say we got a million more in 44. The Methodists can make any kind of brags they want to, oneness or trinities, whatever they may be. But the super sign is still God ever remains true to that super sign. It's God in man manifesting his written word. His word, when he, the Holy Ghost, has come upon you, he'll reveal these things, show them to you, and will show you things to come. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Exactly. Abraham's super seed he was. Super son. Abraham had one son. He begot that by the natural flesh. That was Isaac. Then he had another son. That son was by faith. That was Jesus. He was the son of Abraham. Son of David. Son of God. He foresaw it in the vision. Faith in his promised word. Showed in the last, to show forth in his last days, Abraham. We're supposed to be Abraham's seed. If we are dead in Christ, we are Abraham's seed and heir with him according to the promise. Now, why was this super sign given to Abraham? Because that it would bring forth the super sign of the last day. It has to be displayed. God showed Abraham the end from the beginning and what was going to take place. God manifested in man. His super faith son. Man that could not destroy this son. They could destroy Isaac. They could destroy Jacob and the successors after them. But this super son could not be destroyed. Abraham. The seed of Abraham. The faith that, not the natural seed, but the faith that Abraham received, not by the law of circumcision, but by the faith in the Word. Abraham's super faith son, which was Jesus Christ. Now, all his other sons died, but this son could not be killed. He was killed, but could not stay dead. The grave could not hold him. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Notice, Genesis 22, 16, and 17. Upon the mount where God showed Abraham to go. And there he saw a ram hooked by his horns in the wilderness. Notice quickly now. After he had took Isaac and bound him, which was his natural son, laid him upon the, the altar to take his life. And they started to take his life in obedience of love to God. And when he did, something happened. He heard a voice saying, Abraham, stay your hand, for I know that thou loves me. And then he heard a, a ram blade hooked by its horns in the wilderness behind him. And he called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh. Notice, God said, and uh, your seed, the seed of Abraham now, would possess the gates of its enemies. He would take the gates, possess the gates. He promised it. Now his natural seed did just that. All of Abraham's natural seed was the prophets that come after him. That was Moses, Abraham's seed. And when he did, he came to the gate in a line of duty. He came to the gate of the Red Sea after teaching the children of Israel of the promised land that God had promised. He was God's prophet. 
He has been manifested before the people as God's prophet. God created by him. God did all kinds of signs and wonders by him. And he stayed just exactly with God's word because he sought God first. And he knew his position. He knowed he was born for that age to manifest the word of God at that time. And then right in the line of duty, he come up against something that he knew not what to do. That was the Red Sea. But what happened? The seed of Abraham was promised to possess the enemy's gates. So when the Red Sea become a gate that he couldn't come through, God moved upon the scene and took the gate and went away with it. And Moses walked across the sea on dry land. His seed possessed the gate. The Hebrew children possessed the gates at the fiery furnace that could not even burn them. Daniel possessed the enemy's gates at the lion's mouths that could not be opened to eating. Samson one time caught in the, a bunch of people, uh, faced him in the city. And when he did, he pulled those great big gates out of the rocks, put them up on his shoulders and walked up the top of the hill. Why was he? He was still in the covenant. His locks are still hanging on him. The promise is still there. And he'll possess the gates of his enemy. Amen. Certainly. All these died. Fine warriors of the faith. They all died. Then come on the scene, the super seed of Abraham. The royal seed. The super royal seed. Jesus Christ, which was Abraham's faith son. That he saw by faith through the promise of God that he'd bless all, be the father of many nations. His supersede come on the scene. What do these others do? They possess the gates of lions, the gates of fire, the gates of the sea, the gates of the city. And everywhere they come, they was able to possess the gates because they were promised it. But when it come to death, they all had to die. Now here comes a royal seed on. Not only did he possess the gates of the enemy, but he possessed the gates of death, hell, and the grave. Rose up on the third day and opened up the way. Rent the veil from top to bottom and made a way for every man or woman who desired to come to him could come. He possessed the gates. Not only did he that, but those who had died in faith, he led captivity captive. Let's set it on high and give gifts unto man. That's Abraham's super seed. That's the royal seed. Jesus Christ, the super sign. Remember, it was an everlasting sign. A supernatural, everlasting sign. Jesus was. He arose from the dead. They could not hold him. Death, hell, or the grave could not hold him. Hebrews 13, 8, as I said, he says, same yesterday, ever. To show, to show this super sign in this age. Watch. Let's take the path of Abraham just for a moment. A type of his seed. Abraham the prophet. Watch. God has spoken to him in many ways since he had left the Chaldea, the city of Ur. He had traveled along and God had showed him many great signs that appeared to him. Showed him all kinds of things that would happen. Told him what would take place. All these things he had told him. But before he received his promised son, he was standing near the gates of the Gentiles, just above Sodom. And before he received uh, his, his super son, or his son, that was to be born a super son, of course, before he received him, not the royal one now, but before he received him, he received the super sign. What was it? God 
came down to him in the form of a man. Notice. That man that talked with him it stood at the tent where he was at and performed a super sign. And when his super son came on the scene, his super son performed the same sign to show that he was Abraham's super seed. Glory! And he promised the same thing in the last days. Do you see what I mean? Abraham. Before the, just before the promised son arrived, as we're looking for now, Abraham's seed, royal seed. That was a natural seed. This is a royal seed. When the natural seed got their sign, they, they rejected it. So had, well, nothing but the royal seed. Still that church seed will reject it again. They've always done it. But notice, what kind of a sign was it? Let's just look and see what the super sign was. There was a man, came up, three of them. And did you notice when, when Abraham saw three men coming, he went out and he said, My Lord, will you pass by me? Come in and sit down. Let me fetch a little water and wash your feet and take a morsel of bread then go about your business. He saw three coming and called the three one. Lord. Lot the church nominal down, in, down there in Sodom. He saw two coming and he said, My Lord's. Abraham knows these three are one. There's actually only one of them. Watch, two of them went in and Sodom, and the one stayed with him. He said, My Lord. Notice, the one that stayed with him, Abraham being a type of the called out, not in Sodom, the elected for that hour. Now remember, the Gentiles were fixing to be burned, just like it is now. The Gentile world is to be destroyed by fire. We know that. Now watch the super sign. God came down in the form of a man and performed a sign with his back turned to the tent and asked where Sarah was. And Abraham said, she's in the tent behind you. And he said, uh, I'm going to visit you according to the time of life. Watch that eye. See, I will visit you. And watch, he didn't call him Abram. Just a few days before that, he was Abram. But God changed his name in the Spirit talking to him. But here's God in flesh. Had just eat a calf that Abraham killed. Drinking the milk from the cow and eat bread. Think of it. A man, dusty clothes, dirty feet. Hey, man. God. You say that wasn't God. Abraham said it was. He said it was Elohim. The one that created the heavens and the earth. The all-sufficient one. God in a human form. Amen. And he performed a sign to Abraham to let him know that at the Gentile world was an end. And he was that supersede. He said, uh, where is Sarah? I said, she's in the tent behind you. He said, I'm going to visit you according to the time of life. And Sarah did something. She kind of laughed. He said, why did Sarah laugh? Saying these things can't be. He perceived the thoughts that was in Sarah's mind in the tent behind him. And he knew that was God. Now look, Jesus, when he come on the earth, he was that supersede. And when he come, he declared to the people the very same thing. Is that right? Now knowing that this end time was coming... 
and said, The things that I do shall you the same, because God said, I'm going to give you an eternal, everlasting sign. Amen. Amen. There's a super sign. Look at the track of the church. It's come up through Luther, Wesley, Pentecostals, denominations. We've had revelations and all other kinds of things. We had speaking in tongues. We've had gifts of healing. We have everything manifested. But look right at the end time. Before the burning and the destroying, the super sign appears mysteriously right on the scene again before us. Amen. God Himself, not a man, but God made manifest a super sign, an everlasting sign, an eternal sign, a super sign. God manifested in the flesh. Same sign that His Son did, His super son, promised the same at the end as it was in the days of Sodom, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. The super sign will return. We've had all these other things. The path of Abraham's royal seed has come up that same path that Abraham come up. But just before the destroying of the world, the super sign must appear again. An eternal, everlasting resurrection sign that proves that the royal seed could not be killed like Daniel and like the rest of the prophets was, the grave couldn't hold him because he, the others conquered the gates of the enemy, such as fire and lion and sword and so forth. They conquered that. But this royal seed conquered death, hell, and the grave. Amen. Nothing could hold him. Why? He's an everlasting super sign. What is a super sign? The resurrection of Jesus Christ after being dead for 2,000 years, still stands in the midst of us the same as He did then, manifesting Himself in His church. In human flesh, He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. A virgin shall conceive, and from that time, God and man will be one, united together. An everlasting, eternal sign, a super sign. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. You may ask me how I know He lives. He lives within my heart. I see Him among us. All of His elected seed will see it. Yes, sir. The elected in His day saw it. The predestinated got to see it. In the midst of unbelief, they still believed it. They sat right amongst unbelievers and still confessed it publicly. There you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. Oh, my. Right amongst thousands of unbelievers, one man by the name of Simon Peter Walked out and he said, your name is Simon and you're the son of Joseph. What was that? That super sign. That was a prophet standing there. That was a super sign. And Simon Peter accepted it regardless of what anybody said. The big old husky uh, bully become a meek lamb before God. Notice, that was Nathaniel, a teacher, a scholar indeed who believed God. And uh, Philip went over and brought him back from this, his city. Brought him over when he come where Jesus was standing. Jesus said, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no guile. He said, Rabbi, when did you know me? This is astonishing. I've heard my great, 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 great grandfathers talk about so and so and so and so way back. I never heard of it. My, how'd you know me? Jesus said, Before Philip called you when you were under the tree, I saw you. A super sign. Amen. Priest and rabbis is finished. There was God's eternal super sign. Yes. He had to go by Samaria. Remember, there's three races of people. 
Ham, Sham, and Japheth's people. He went by the Samaritans. There come a little woman out at the well to get some water. Jesus, as soon as he spoke to her, said, bring me a drink. She said, you have nothing to draw with and so forth. Then a conversation went on. They talked about the racial problem and so forth. After a while, he said, dear, go get your husband and come here. Now, she said, this man's trying to get smart with me. See, I don't have any husband, said, you've told the truth. You've had five, and the one you're living with now is not your, your husband. Super sign. Listen at her. Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Super sign. A manifestation of the word for that day. Watch. You're a prophet, but I don't see in the Bible where any prophet's supposed to be at this time. But we are looking for the Messiah. And when he comes, he will manifest God. God's promised word. That poor little woman more than more about God than half the preachers of the day. In that estate, why? She was predestinated to it. When that light struck it, that seed come to life. You can't hide it. No. Look at Nathaniel. He didn't care. He didn't care who stood there. He stood right before his priest and all said, Rabbi, you're the son of God. You are the king of Israel that we look for. He saw the super sign. This little woman in the midst of all the trouble she's in run down through the city and said, Come see a man that's told me what I've done. Isn't this the very Messiah? Isn't that what we're looking for? Super sign. Now remember the Gentiles never got it then. But they have to receive it. Because God can't change his continuity. He has to remember he promised it. He said he would do it. He promised he would do it. And in the last days he would do it. Jesus said so, as it was in the days of Sodom, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. We're promised in the last days, according to Malachi 4, that someone would raise up in the last days that would try to bring back and shake back all the coldness and all their traditions and things and restore the faith of the people back to the apostolic fathers again, to the original word. Yes. You said that was, a, that was Elijah and John. No, no, not Elijah in John's time was Malachi 3, my, saying my messenger before my face, because immediately after this prophecy went forth, the whole world was burnt up. Amen. Two thousand years has passed, the world wasn't burnt up, and the righteous walk out on the dust of the, of the ashes of the wicked. Brother, sister, we are living in the days of supermarkets, super jets, super highways, super races, super everything else, and there is a super sign. Amen. We've had the sign of religion. We've had the sign of revivals. We've had the sign of getting together. We've had the sign of speaking in tongues. We've had the sign of healing the sick. We've had all these signs. But yet we find in the Bible that the last sign before the promised son arrived, it was a super sign. Jesus said, as it was then, before the promised son arise again, that super sign would come on the earth again. I declare to you tonight in the name of Jesus Christ, it's on earth now. Not only that, but it's right here among us tonight. The Holy Ghost, God's super sign, the resurrected Jesus Christ. It cannot fail. It's an eternal sign. It can never be changed. Heavens and earth will pass away, but that will never change. It's an eternal, everlasting sign. God manifested in human flesh. God made Himself known in human flesh. Do you believe that to be the truth? With all your heart you believe it? Don't shut yourself up like a turtle in a shell. If there's any turtle in you, take the shell out. Let the Holy Spirit come in. Don't close yourself to some creed or denomination. Brother, sister, the hour has arrived. 
I believe that God's done as much as He's going to do. The next thing is action of the church or either we're going to be lost. I just asked anybody to dispute that to be so. I've asked it around around the world and not one time has everybody, anybody ever tried it. They know better. They know better because it's a word. God proves it's His word. Then why not accept it? If it's a time, don't put it off too long. Many people wanted to accept Jesus. They thought they'd do it in some other convenient time, one said. They won't accept Christ, but they put it off too long. Some of them tried to get him off their hands and tried to wash it off of the water. Passed the buck on to somebody else, but it backfired. It's on your hands tonight. Don't write back in your lap. Hebrews 13, 8, regardless of how many counselor churches we have, still remains as Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. The works that I do, if, it, if His life is in you, it'll manifest Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, you all can't be that one, but you can be a part of that with your faith. All of them couldn't be a Jesus when they're on earth, but they could believe Him and accept the message. There was one Moses, one Elijah, one Noah on down. Always been that, but the rest of them could accept it. And they would have had no ministry unless there had been somebody believe it. Jesus would have had no ministry unless somebody believed it. Paul would have had no ministry unless somebody believed it. The Holy Ghost has got no ministry by the Word today unless somebody's willing to get away from their creed and come back to the Word again. No matter how well it's here and how real it's here, it's here now. I know it's here. I feel it. I know it's here. The Word says it's here. Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I'm in the midst of them. I truly believe that He's here the same yesterday, today, and forever. Oh, if I could get this little tabernacle. I love you. I don't believe there's a man on earth that I could say I loved any better than Jack Moore. That's right. Young Brown and Lyle and these men here. I read an article today that Anna Jean wrote. I was going to ask your permission to reprint it again. Of the nice things that they can say. And, and look, but if you don't wake up quickly, it's going to be too late. The life tabernacle, I'm part of you. And that's the reason I cry out. Year by year, I find it cooling. You might not notice that you live right in it. But stay on the field and then return back with the memories of the year before. Didn't I tell you that out there in that little tent one night? From this hour on? What did I say about Shreveport when that woman gave me that dirty ride up that time? Remember what I said that time about the United States three or four years ago, five? Then run all through the papers. I said, this year the United States will accept the gospel or they'll never do it. They've declined since that time. And there'll never be a, a big revival in America no more like that. If you believe me to be a prophet, you remember that's the word of the Lord. Just watch and see if it isn't dying. The churches are dying. They're withering away. And it kills me inside of me. To know that men and women that I love better than I love my own life. That I've given my life. I've come among you as your brother. Not your God, your brother. Not your enemy, your brother. I've told you the truth and God's declared the same with every word I've preached. He's declared it to be this exactly the truth. 
Then why not accept it, brother, sister? In the love of Jesus Christ, why don't you accept it? If you'll just believe that to be the truth, just accept it to be the truth, that's all I ask you to do. Let's bow our heads just a moment. I'm going to stop there on them notes right there. I said, let's go make an altar call and let Billy Paul give out prayer cards. We didn't have any prayer cards. Now, it's too late to give them out. I, I forgot my promise. I'll have him here tomorrow night about 6 o'clock. We don't need the prayer cards anyhow. I've always tried to get you away from that tradition, always of laying hands on like the Jews did. Jeriah said, come lay your hands on my daughter and she'll live. The Romans said, just speak the word. That was a Gentile way of believing in. If I've told you the truth, now listen to this challenge. If I've told you the truth, then I've got to stand here on this platform before you and tell you this. And what good does it do to tell you if God isn't in it? And if it's God's truth, he's he's duty bound to back it up. He's got to back it up. He promised he would. But are, are we going to set numbed like? Has the spirit, is it Echabod on the life tabernacle? Has that been rolled across the tabernacle? Has that been rolled across the churches that have been visiting across the nation? Is it so dark and dense now that that one here and one there, one to feel, I'll take one and maybe one over across the other side of the world and I'll take one? As it was in the days of Noah, where eight souls were saved by water. So shall it be in the coming of the sun. Have we reached that place? Has the ministry of Jesus Christ in this day patterned the day that he was here when he preached first? When he's a young Galilean prophet, everybody wanted him in their church when he healed the sick and everything. But when he went to prophesying and rebuking them and calling them a bunch of vipers, right then he started declining. And finally, it led to his crucifixion, assassination. But remember, he had another ministry. He preached to the eternal lost and damned that didn't repent in the days that they had a chance to repent. Will that ministry return like that, that the ministry will continue to go on to a lost and damned people where there's no mercy to be gotten for them? Think of it. What if they, you say, is it Brother Bram? I don't know. It could be later than we think. If you see the shadow of anything, you know what it would be when it would be positive. If you had your hands up and see four fingers, five fingers, whatever your hand will be when the negative is made positive, that's what it is in the shadow. Believe, friends. Oh, God help you. My, how many times have you... You've bought me suits of clothes. I have out in her now presents, boxes of candy, buckets of syrup. You've even given my, my family towels, my children clothes. You've fed me. You've done everything that you could do. And I, I let me do something for you. That, that, that's, that, oh, God could only break in some way right now. To you upstairs, downstairs, wherever you are in the balcony. If God doesn't back up what I say, then I've lied. But if He does back it up, I know you've seen a lot of carnal impersonations, but that ought to make the real thing shine better to you. Have faith and believe. Of course, there's not a prayer card in the building. If there is, raise your hand. Everyone who's got a prayer card from this meeting. See, there's not a one. But there's sick people sitting here. 
And if the Holy Spirit right here on this platform will reveal and go through this audience and around through here to you people, watch what the Bible said. What is the super sign? Is the Word made manifest in every age. Is that right? Well, why couldn't they believe Jesus when Hebrews 4 said that the Word of God is quicker, more powerful than a two-edged sword, cutting asunder? That is, when it's preached in its power, it cuts right and left. Two-edged, cuts both ways. What is it? Cuts plumb to the mire of the bone. And what else does it do? Discerns the thoughts that's in the heart. As we get towards the end of this episode, we'll end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for word, for Your Word. and Father, we thank Thee for the great sign that You gave, Lord, to us and to Your Son, Jesus Christ, Lord, and who died for our sins. And We thank Thee, Father, to know that You've sent back that Spirit that was in Christ to live in us today. And Lord, is the earnest of our salvation, of our inheritance. We pray, Father, may if any have not known you in the power of your resurrection and that listening to this tape, may today be their victory day. May you fill them with your spirit and seal them into your eternal kingdom. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you.
Yeah. 